When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Their song Push was just reintroduced to Barbenheimer moviegoers in the blockbuster movie Barbie, and now Matchbox 20 rocks Jiffy Lube live in Virginia tomorrow night. I spoke to lead guitarist Kyle Cook about the band's biggest hits, including Push, 3AM, Real World, Bent, If You're Gone, Bright Lights, Unwell, and How Far We've Come. Hey, Kyle Cook, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Stoked to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, obviously you're the lead guitarist of the awesome band Matchbox 20, which is going to rock Jiffy Lube live in Virginia on Thursday, July 27th. Uh, so now Some rocking uh, will be had. Rocking, rocking will be had. Yeah, will be had. There I do believe. Be no rocks unturned. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. I like it. I like it. Let's do something with it. But anyway, it's a catch. You have a catchier title than that. It's called the Slow Dream Tour. Obviously, that sort of comes from one of your new songs, "Wild Dogs" in parentheses, running in a slow dream. Yeah, right. Um. Uh. Tell me. Tell me about that. Uh, is it going to be mostly songs from that new album, "Where the Light Goes," or are you going to mix in, you know, sprinkle oh, in a no. few of the greatest hits? No. Yeah. Absolutely. It's actually going to be the other way around. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a night of songs that, you know people know and love from us and a sprinkling of some of the new album we are we're definitely and i've been saying this i mean we're definitely not a band that that um you know nostalgia is lost on you know what i mean um, absolutely that's why people we, are coming we, to your shows i love i love to hear you you say that because i went to uh no. when, it, when it's when it's the other way around like i'm too uh, who would oh i saw bob dylan once at wolf trap and of course a legend so he can do whatever he wants but i'm like damn yeah. i never got i didn't get to hear like any of the old like masterpieces it was all it's new like, stuff i'm, but, I'm, I'm gonna play all, i'm gonna play only songs from but, the record yeah. that i haven't released yet you know it's like dude Kind of how it yeah, sounded. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and by the way, just speaking of Bob Dylan randomly, I was talking to a few musicians uh, that, uh, you know, uh, just a variety, that have toured with a variety of, of acts over the years in Jones Beach. We just played Jones Beach. And we were talking about how Dylan is notorious for, you know, he's the kind of he's the kind of artist that musicians have to learn, like, hundreds of songs. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't he doesn't stick to a, a set list, which is very, you know, contrary to the way we work as, you know, at Matchbox 20, we're very crafted. We, you know, we're, we're into detail. He's a guy that's not into detail. It's just like, everyone needs to know like hundred songs and he's just going to call it on stage, which seems like very chaotic and kind of, you know, everyone living on the edge of their seat all the time. Yeah, but you know uh, what? He's kind he's of a legend. Awesome at he the can, same time. He's a legend. He can do right. what he wants. But I'm sure the Matchbox yeah. 20 fans like myself are going to love going to Jiffy Lube Live and get to hear all the hits. 100%. I mean, we, 
we can go into some of the the nostalgic classic hits in a minute but you know i i do all that said i do want to give you a minute to plug and promote the new album so tell, don't get me wrong i want to you to promote um but yeah boom. so that's one of the boom. songs i see what boom. you did Boom. That's one of the songs. It's called mm-hmm. Don't Get Me Wrong. It's sort of the one of the lyrics is I, I know you think I'm gone, but I, I'm all in. So don't get me wrong. So t- right. t- t- is, is, give me the give me the sort of the message of the song. The, is it like, a uh, you know, a relationship that one might think he's a little pulling away aloof, but you're, it's a it's a reminder. No, yes. I, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That was a three person co-write, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Rob wrote with a couple a uh, couple guys in, in Nashville. Um, and I live in Nashville, so I'm sort of like partially qualified to sort of <laughs> talk about the process because I know some of the writers that he wrote it with. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's you know, it didn't always go down the way I, I think the listener expects, you know. I mean, I, I think those of us in the business understand that, you know, just like just like in the movies. And th- that hadn't always been the case in this band as well, where where this that is something that that stands out on this particular record is this the first time we've recorded some songs that have been written outside of the band, meaning not by one sole member or a few members of the band and the inner circle. And that happens to be one of them um, that we all just thought that that chorus was just so infectious. Uh, When Rob, Rob was like, Hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of these zoom co-writes and, you know, here's a handful of those songs he actually prefaced it by going, look, I realize it, there's not much precedent for us recording other songs that I've written with other people. Uh, but that was one that fit in kind of like into a box of songs that we felt, you know, whether Rob had brought that himself, we would have been excited about recording it. And yes, I think the the general theme was, you know, there's probably moments where you think that the relationship's sliding or maybe I'm sort of drifting away, but, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm still invested in this. I love it, and I love how your opening little you know guitar before the vocals. Yeah, out. right. It's, it's yeah, cool. there's there's, yeah. there's something kind of yeah that, that, that sucks you in about yeah, ab- that. Absolutely. Well, uh, whenever I have someone on, I love to remind our listeners sort of your personal origin story. Like you, you were born in what Indiana in in seventy five. Like, how, how did you make your way down to Orlando to meet the guys and Rob and and form the band? Right. I guess what midnight ninety five something. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm a Hoosier. Um, you know, <laughs> great grew, movie. Up, grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a great movie. One hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's I come from the land of, you know, people's grandmothers can shoot a proper free throw. You know, it's like that's how we <laughs> that's how we get down here. Rural Indiana. I don't know what the deal. I don't know where, where basketball became such a, a fixture in people's lives there. But that's the case. Um, yeah. I grew up in rural Indiana, you know, uh, land, you know, just surrounded by cornfields and not a lot to do. And that's what kind of drove me into, you know, when I found particularly Guns N' Roses, I was playing, I was playing violin before that in school, but uh, Appetite for Destruction came out and that just floored me. And that changed, you know, so right away I wanted to chase girls and do all the rock and roll stuff. I wanted to be Slash. You know, I want a mom to, uh, you know, uh, I'm like, mom, I need an amp. I want, you know, I'll play electric guitar. Luckily, she's very, very supportive. And so I was the kid just get home from school and just had, you know, had my nose stuck in like, uh, at the time, I don't even know how relevant they are anymore, but like Guitar World Magazine and all these guitar magazines were sort of the rage at the time. And they would like, 
they would what was called tablature they would in the back they would they would popular songs they would put tablature there to show guitar players how to play different songs so i would i got subscriptions to all those i'm like learning all my favorite rock songs and um i wanted to go to school i wanted to learn more about music theory uh because i had a good ear i felt then i could i could pick pop songs off the radio i didn't really need to to know much about them i could read music from violin but i didn't really understand the structure of of music and i want to know more about that um and i always loved classical and you know so how it's kind of perfectly how notes lead into to one another you know in with the seamless kind of dialogue and so i decided to to go to the school atlanta uh, institute of music which is a one year you still got me yeah i got you keep on going a one year yeah baby one year uh you know kind of intense performance based program and my father who's you know he's an attorney and he's he's very intellectual guy he was he really wanted me to pursue the classical stuff um cuz he was just like you got to you got to study the masters you got to you know understand the greats and um and i and i do and still have a, a huge passion for you know beethoven and bach um and and the the just the beauty of the music that they constructed but i knew that i wasn't going to survive a four year <laughs> experience um <laughs> particularly because I was going to have to take a bunch of other courses and stuff that didn't have anything to do with music. And, uh, you know, I just knew enough about myself that I wouldn't, you know, make it through that. So I convinced them to kind of let me try my hand at this one year art Institute. And that ended up going great. And I got all the sort of information and the knowledge that I wanted from that. And I met a producer a guy named Matt Serletic who had done, uh, had just finished a hit record on a band called collective soul. Of course, and they had soul. Just interviewed yeah, Collective and they, Soul a couple of weeks ago. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, and the guys, and um, they had just, they were coming off of a double platinum album for Atlantic Records. So there's the tie-in there. We ended up on Atlantic Records. Um, and he just had, he's like, man, I got this, this, he had come to the school to kind of find a guitar player. He was, you know, looking, he didn't. He liked the the band at the time was called Tab of the Secret that was performing down in Central Florida, and uh, he was he he knew he, he liked what the band was doing. He just didn't love the guitar players, and so he was he was kind of you know searching for some other musicians to add to the band. And he came into school, and the guy that ran the place was was a helping me out. Was a fan of mine. I'd already graduated at that point and was out just gigging around Atlanta, Georgia. And um, he got a meeting together and things just, you know, he gave me a demo tape and uh, 3 a.m. was on that demo tape. Well, no I don't way. know that I would have been that. Yeah, I don't know that I would have been that interested uh, in pursuing what was going on if I hadn't have been so taken by the song 3 a.m. And I just had a real gut feeling that, like, culturally, that song was going to was going to be really meaningful when recorded right, when recorded, you know, when, when fully kind of in its fully realized form and uh that was the only song it turned out that was the only song that actually made it onto that first album and you know and you know not uh not surprisingly it's become one of our most kind of beloved songs these days you were you, know, you were right live, on that so. you were right something about yeah, that I mean, caught uh, your ear and just like well, the rest I'm not, of yeah, us. yeah i'm not taking credit I mean, rob wrote the song i'm not taking credit for that i'm just saying it, it i had a feeling that 
there's something about that song that was telling me that I, I should pursue this, even though it wasn't necessarily the kind of music that I was listening to at the time. Right. So I could never imagine that, you know, we would then make Mad Season, which was a huge leap towards something, uh, you know, something more creative and more adventurous, I think, you know, which our career began to just kind of blossom into, which I got yeah. excited about as the years went on. Yeah, I'd love to. I want to get to that in a second. I would love to double back real quick to that first album, Yourself or Someone Like You. It came so it comes out in '96. And dude, I this is gonna, I guess, tell you what age I was, but I was in middle school. I remember someone handing that album to me on like a disc man on a like a middle school field trip, like on the bus. <laughs> and I'm, uh, so I'm probably, I'm probably doing the whole like you know, skipping while riding it down the road or whatever on the disc man. But I that album yeah. just blew it, blew me away. I mean, you mentioned 3 a.m., but. Um, tell me, I guess the first what single that that blew up and got the Grammy nomination was was Push. Tell me about recording Push. So Push came later in the game, um, and that actually, so you know, we had three a.m. and I want to say three a.m. again was just something that probably was a large part of you know getting the record deal right, getting Rob a publishing deal, which he was in the process of doing or had already completed, um, and. I wasn't in the room, but that's the story that I've heard is he, 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 he had heard of this songwriting game of, of sort of like, um, you know, what if we, what if we choose some words, right. And we, um, and we write an entire song around a word, right. So I'm going to, I'm going to provide you with 10 words. They're kind of interesting and that maybe evocative in some way. We're going to select one and then we're going to just write a song about it as an exercise. And so push ended up being, my understanding is one of those words. And, you know, the, the exact way that that fell out, I don't know, because I mean, you know, hell at the time, I mean, there were obviously no iPhones. There was no real simple way to, you know, record things. I mean, like, you can't do a voice memos back then. Right. In terms of convenient things that people had in their pocket. So, you know, they wrote that maybe in a hotel room or something like that, scribbled it down. Uh, but that's the way it, you know, that's the way it was inspired, which is interesting, right? Like more of an exercise than not to say the lyrics don't have meaning and all that, but, but, you know, what drove it was, Hey, let's write a song around the word push because that seems like an interesting word. And so that came like 11th hour, honestly. And then when we all heard that, we heard that chorus and, you know, that Rob's verse melody, hmm. um, we were all like, oh, wow, yeah, this is now we're really getting somewhere. We've got, you know, um, you know, the, the, the great songs are just kind of, you know, compiling here. I love that story that it was just like a name out of a hat almost, or a one word and let's craft it around it. Was, yeah, right. That was that, was that, that the same for was that the same for real world? Did someone pull out like superhero and they just write? Around yeah, right. it? <laughs> that does seem right. I, I hope it's soup. I really do. I hope that I hope the actual story is that Rob was eating SpaghettiOs and saw Real World and wrote a song about it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't actually know. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. I do know that about Push. And it's always stuck with me because we really started to uh, develop an identity sonically with that song as well, because, you know, the guitars start off kind of clean. And, you know, it has this ballad type feel, but when you get to the end, it's quite aggressive. And it's kind of, yeah. and he literally says in the song, you know, don't boil over. It's like, 
it is kind of bowling you over at the end. It's like, it's like, it's almost like the microphones are trying to contain all this like room energy that's coming from the drums and the guitars and the bass. It's like, it's just a really loud, boisterous band towards the end. And so that juxtaposition of sort of like sweet and tender versus angry and aggressive <laughs> started to, you know, it, 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 we struck on something culturally with that sound, I want to say. Oh, absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And then, of course, you continue to evolve for that second album, Mad Season, in, in what, 2000? Uh, the album itself, I guess, gets nominated for the Grammy. But tell me about, uh, real right. quick, yeah, Bent and If You're Gone. Like, those are those are two right. massive yeah. songs that we all grew, you know, that are like soundtracks of our yeah. lives. But have those two come together. Oh, that's cool. I love hearing that. Um, so Bent is, is one of my favorite tracks um, and one of my favorite arrangements. I love Rob's melody, of course, and, you know, the idea of it. But what we did with it as a band, um, you know, Paul's, you know, like these kind of like polyrhythms and stuff were really quite, they, they, they sparked quite a lot of debate within the band, you know, because I remember Rob kind of going, why would you play? He and Paul got in this argument and it was very, you know, uh, contentious about like, you know, why would you, you, you're messing my song up, man. That's too much information. Paul Doucette? Paul Doucette, that's right. The drummer? But, uh, right, because he's a very lyrical drummer, um, I feel like, it, and it, which I, I reminiscent of, of uh, Ringo to me, honestly, because a lot of times, you know, if you think about like um, Come Together, right? The Beatles, you know, like those kind of like, those kind of fills and those kind of like little hooks, percussive hooks kind of stick also in your, in your mind. Yeah. Um, and, and create some identifying features. So that him doing that with Rob's melody, and then these kind of ethereal, strange, uh, guitar, uh, sounds that are, you know, you get to the bridge of that song and, and it, it, it's almost like there's, uh, you know, these, these strange little uh, alien guitar sounds that are trying to get out and, and, and you know, um, squirming around. It's it's a very bizarre and kind of lovely arrangement at the same time. Now, what's interesting about the opening, and I'll tell you this, the opening of that song was an accident. And so the next time you hear that song, think about that because, I you know, I've, I've told the story several times, but, you know, the bow, the kind of bend that comes in, which obviously the first thing that comes to mind is the title, which we saw the connection later, but 
they had they had brought me back. We were we were trying different ideas. I was trying different ideas with the producer, and oftentimes in between takes, I'm just kind of screwing around, right, and and trying different things. And um, so I was actually playing in a different key, and they had queued up the track, and I didn't hear them count it off. So it started in a different place than I expected it to. It starts with that drum group, which I was just talking about, which opens the song. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It starts with the guitar thing. It was going to start with the drums. And because the track cued wrong, I started in the wrong key and I, I sort of self-corrected as it was happening. Right. So that's why you hear that. Bow, bow, and then it falls on that really bizarre note. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I lift into the right key as the drums come in because I realize I'm playing in the wrong key. But then, like that, is really cool when it happens. You know, like these happy accidents because it's it, it reminds you that not only the things that you 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 can spend a lot of time crafting things and intending to do something one way and assuming that it's the right way, and then actually make a mistake and and and, and everyone react in a way that it's unimaginable and then it ends up being one of our more iconic musical moments is 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 kind of intriguing to me always wow what a great bent story that's amazing that it, that it mirrors the title <laughs> the guitar bent. yeah i know right and then of course <laughs> yeah. and then of course the song's called bent so it's like yeah. of course we're gonna use that you know of course do you want to give me uh, i don't know how much time you got because i do want to get to your next albums but do you want to give me anything on if you're gone real quick because i'd love to play yeah, that course. one on the radio too <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you something on If You're Gone. Uh, Rob actually just gave a little bit of an explanation last night, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. He and I have been doing that uh, solo in sort of like a real stripped-down uh, way, uh, even though, obviously, it's, it's it's produced and recorded. There's horns and everything. That um, he, um, he, he and his uh, wife, Marisol, I think at the time, you know, in terms of like what expired originally was uh, – you know, early in their relationship, we were, the band was very su successful at that time. Like we were kind of at the peak of matchboxdom, you know? Um, and, you know, it, yeah, it's like, it's like one of those times that we all, you know, understand in our lives is going to be very hard to ever return to, right? Because you're never going to be in your early twenties and on top of the charts and on top of the world again. We got a 10, 10 million plus sounding, you know, selling record is continuing to go. The label's, pushing us and pushing us to just go everywhere. And of course we don't want to say no, we're young guys that want to be rock stars like anybody would be at that time. And so we're like, okay, you know, it almost became unhumanly really. I mean, you know, because we were just going so hard that nobody understood how, how long this record was going to ride the charts, you know? So we're doing that. And I think if you're gone came from a place where, you know, his, his wife Marisol, you know, wasn't sure if she could hang with that lifestyle. He just wasn't home. And so I think he kind of wrote that as like a, an ode to that idea. Like, you know, uh, you know, I need you in my life. And so, but musically, I think it became an interesting moment for us because of the horn arrangement and the delicacy of the, the acoustic guitars against this sort of like that, you know, the somber French horns, uh, you know, that Matt, uh, really beautifully arranged, honestly. I mean, he's, he's a really great arranger. Um, and that that started to inform what the album was, is that it wasn't just this guitar driven to contrast it with Push, 
uh, because that song had just kind of eaten the world, I think our feeling was, hey, we could be a band that just makes another record of that, or we could be a band that really uh, matures into this, you know, sophisticated, you know, new uh, version of ourselves. And I think we really were interested in that idea of, you know, uh, and if you, you know, you listen to Mad Season, it's pretty clear. I mean, it's, it's a very produced album. It's a very well thought out album. There's a lot of orchestration on it. We obviously had a big, big budget. We wanted to do sonically experimentative things, which we did, as I mentioned with Bit. And so that's, that's what kind of led us into that. But If You're Gone, I think is, you know, it's almost like a Chicago song. Sometimes we compare it to Chicago. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, grand up. Talk about yeah. great bands. <laughs> but, right. Um... Yeah, totally. Wow. Do you think you continue to immature and, and push it like that really, on more than you think you are, the third album? I love that. I mean, Bright Lights and Unwell. And man, it's just like I, I'm just getting goosebumps of nostalgia with all of this. <laughs> but yeah. do, do you think you continue to not rest on your laurels and push even more for that album? Well, I do. Actually, I think we scaled it back. Okay. Um, Reel I, it know, in. I think a lot a lot in life is, is you know, a, a pushing and pulling, right? So I think we... I think we really pushed the envelope with Mad Season, which was the idea. I mean, we took like seven, eight, I don't know, maybe nine months to make that album. It was a very long, drawn-out record. We spent a lot of money on it. You know, like I said, lots of orchestration. Lots of so I think we wanted we, – we went up to Woodstock to make more than you think you are, and I think we wanted to – I think we did want to get it back to a band feel. Uh, we didn't want to run from strings, horns – that kind of stuff, but we did want it to feel a little more in the moment and maybe fewer overdubs. Uh, so we did kind of, yes, want to reel it back. And I think uh, Bright Lights is a great example of that. You know, you've got a, you got a song that, that Rob starts on piano, very small, very intimate, very, you're just in the room with him. And again, it just slowly builds and builds and builds um, through this almost like Southern rock journey to you know, the end of it, which is just this epic, um, you know, classic rock kind of guitar um, featured moment that, uh, you know, with big booming drums and, you know, just almost like a celebration. So, you know, I think that that was kind of a defining track on that album, as well as Unwell, which features this really dry kind of banjo part in the you know which is an odd was an odd choice for us a band that like why would matchbox 20 feature banjo on the current single it's like why not <laughs> yeah why not yeah i love that and then uh just sort of bringing right. it chronologically more to fill the gap towards then and now like i know the band sort of i mean i guess you put out that retrospective exile on mainstream where it was like a double disc one was like greatest hit the second disc was greatest hit. first disc was like right. new stuff how far we've come which is all-timer banger again but um but yeah take me sort of into that period i mean the band's like it's a bit of a hiatus in terms of like studio albums because i guess rob thomas is doing some solo stuff i mean that santana duet smooth was was badass i guess that had been a few years early in 99 but you know he does lonely no more and street corner symphony and this how heart breaks someday all that stuff what'd you make of, of yeah. that period of rob breaking out and, and do you play and do you ever mix any of that into even though it's a matchbox 20 concert do you still mix in any of that solo rob stuff too no we don't um i i, I don't think that we're opposed to it we've just we've paid a lot of attention to keeping the brand separate because of right. what i would consider to be brand confusion right. um you know so 
if you work really hard to, you know, all of the th things that we do that are, you know, that are kind of in the, you know, seem to be in the abstract, right? Which is sitting in a, in a studio and going, oh, I think we should put banjo on that. No, I think we should do French horn. Like that kind of, that's kind of an abstract creative process, but it all, it all feeds into the idea of, you know, what, what we feel sounds like the band and, 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 you know, in defining what sounds like the band is, is, uh, is, is hard enough. Um, when you finally achieve it or you feel like you've achieved it to, uh, to not allow it to have its own space, isn't really doing it justice. So that's kind of how we've treated it going forward. And I, and I would assume Rob, feels the same way about his, his solo stuff. He wants it to exist in its own space. And once, you know, if you start mixing that up a lot, it, it then it, I don't know, does it, you tell me, maybe it makes it less special. You know, no, maybe that, it I, makes his, his efforts less special and the band's less special. I like that. So yeah, fans, if you're listening to this, if you see the poster that says Matchbox 20, you're going to hear all the great songs by the band that we've been discussing and the newer stuff. But then if That's you right. want to hear the other Rob Thomas solo stuff, then you wait and see for a, a when he comes to town, when it says That's Rob right. Thomas or maybe Santana for that one. So whatever. But, you know, That's, yeah, you got to right. see exactly. those shows. It gives you incentive. That's the to way it is. Those. Plus, right, you guys right. have way too many hits anyway. It'd be impossible to fit all, all that in there. I know, um, dude, right. exactly. I mean, it's, it's a very good problem. It's a great problem to have. I mean, I guess you kind of reunited and did North as well in 2012. But then, yeah, but then that brings us back to, to the latest, Where the Light Goes. Um, right. We talked at the top. We did a deep dive into Don't Get Me Wrong, which is a great new right. song. But tell me a little about the title track, Where the Light Goes. What inspired it? So, yeah, Where the Light Goes, it's an important song because it kind of anchored the whole group of new songs it was one of you know of, of a handful of things that rob had sort of you know felt good about that he sent to us that we got really excited about that we liked the idea of conceptually we liked the idea of you know and he was still kind of forming the shape of the lyrics at that time but you know the general idea of where these lights go and and where do they go when your eyes close like that idea really i identified with i like that idea of can you tell me where the light goes every time your eyes closed? Right. So it's like, it, it's less about, it's more of this larger metaphorical light, you know? Uh, and so that conceptually was cool, but musically getting our heads around that. And, you know, and I think that theme works good with coming out of a pandemic, coming out of a world where we lost some loved ones. Some of us did, we lost friends. We, you know, so there was, there was a big, broad, a, a more broad theme. I don't know that we knew that that was going to be the title of the record at that time, but I think we kept coming back to it and it made sense because it was the first one, you know, that really anchored our interest in completing a body of work. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that that would be the title of the album as well. And, and but then it also kind of makes sense that the tour would then be Slow Dream off the Wild Dog song. It kind of I, I don't know. That kind of fits that, that you titled one after after each. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, you've been more than generous with your time. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, And, yeah, I, I you know, it's been a great discussion. Thanks for I mean, you, you've obviously you're familiar with our, our catalog and you've done your research. I appreciate that, man. The, literally, like I said, the, the research was just sitting like as like a sixth grader with a disc man on a school bus. So I don't, yeah. I don't know how much yeah. research right. it is. It's just burned into my brain. You guys stuff. Yeah, awesome. exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's like the research you do when you go to buy, it's like, that's, it's all, I feel like I research all of our, all of our, our songs when I go to buy toothpaste at CBS. <laughs> <laughs> For some, 
who knew that we were going to make perfect music for like retail shopping, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh, it's 3am and I need it. I'm out of toothpaste. Oh, Hey, there's yeah, my right. song. <laughs> yeah, I got, I'm getting uh plaque and gingivitis. Oh, I'm a little unwell. I mean, we can, we can do but, it. Yeah. Uh, hey, we can, we can do it with whatever, but hey. <laughs> right. it's like, I'm like picking through ripe tomatoes, you know, and oh, it's like, I, got, I, I get I, a little, yeah. a, little, a journey got, of our, our recorded history. <laughs> hey, Hey, I really, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody it's, um, matchbox 20 lead guitarist kyle cook uh the band is coming to jiffy lube live in virginia on july 27th so you have to get your tickets now to hear all of these songs we discussed and so many more uh kyle you have to you literally you literally have to well it's a mandate you wanted to start a slash but now so many other people want to grow up being like you man so you did it yeah oh man i love hearing that i I do i appreciate seeing the different generations coming to the shows now awesome well hey you absolutely rocked it i really appreciate this conversation appreciate it brother later Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.